is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. A little bit late here in this uh, segment. Nonetheless, uh, Thomas Hickey coming up top of the hour. Former NHL defenseman, now analyst for the uh, New York Islanders. Also, Peter Baugh from The Athletic covering the Avalanche, who last night uh, dropped one to the Vancouver Canucks. In the meantime, more on um, the game that you saw in Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. That is the New Jersey Devils and the Maple Leafs. Uh, he is Anthony Stewart from the NHL on Sportsnet. Amongst about a million other titles that he has on his business card as well. Stewie, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. I'm doing my best to try to duck and dodge any uh, Coca-Colas that may be coming from the rafters. Hey, okay, so you mentioned this as you guys were going to break yesterday, or during the highlights, I think, actually. Uh, have you ever been, you, know, you were asking either uh, Justin or Sam if they've ever been hit by a by a, a can of Coke or a or beer bottle. Have you ever, during a hockey game, been been hit by a bottle or a can or, I don't know, a basket of chicken wings? I have not, but uh, my claim to fame was I was about probably five feet away uh, from the waffle that almost hit uh, Phil Kessel. So I was there for waffle game oh, with the Atlanta no Thrashers, where yeah, I think we were beating them 5 1. Yeah, the waffles just kept coming off the ice there. So I think uh, next to Coca Cola, the craziest thing I've seen was a waffle hitting the ice. <laughs> What what did you think when you saw? That? Let's go back waffle game. Oh my goodness! Wow. Uh, what did you think when you saw that? Well, I'll go back to my uh, my top prospects game where I was actually we're playing at the Kitchener Arena there, and I was actually eating popcorn out of the fan yeah. stands because back then you can reach over the glass there. So I was thinking maybe I'll take a yeah. bite out of this, but I'm like, this is the National Hockey League. That's not very National Hockey League. You can't be like the hamburger with Lazar and eating burgers. It's the National Hockey League. So my first thing is like, <laughs> what was that? And then I put two and two together saying, yeah, we're beating the crap out of the Leafs right now. The fans aren't too happy. Let's get off the ice before more things come out flying. If hang on a second, if the Stewie that we know now, like you know, with because I get it, like you're in the NHL, you were like, hey, what's this going to look like, and what's this going to appear like? Oh, okay, I gotta you know mind my p's and q's and be careful here. If the Stewie we know now, which is really daring and 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 bold and and likes taking like- risks, if that Stewie, if this Stewie were that Stewie, would you have taken a bite of the waffle? <laughs> No, because remember, the Leafs fans have a lot of viscerals. There's probably something on that wall, but they probably wiped their butt or something with it, too. But if it was something, maybe it was a chocolate bar, a full chocolate bar, I think I would pop the wrapper. If it was in a wrapper or in a bag, maybe I would have. But uh, the waffle, it was not a box of waffles. It was, like, legitimate one waffle or two or three waffles. So I want to know, like, how do you even think to to bring that into the rink? Are you trying to bring a snack there? What are you doing? So it it was funny, nonetheless. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I always wonder about the people that bring in the octopus and sit there for a couple of periods, and I wonder, you know, who's bringing a waffle as a form of protest, but uh, there it was. Uh, what did you make? I mean, that was, a, you know, Elliot and I were just talking about this a couple of seconds ago. Like, that was, I know Devils fans will be hot about the the, the goals called back. I get it. Um, but that was a really good hockey game, like a really entertaining and, and high-skill hockey game. What was your, at the end of it all yesterday, what were your takeaways? Well, I think first things first, I think uh, everyone's got to give the Leafs uh, a lot of credit for really hammering that, that game home last night where, again, they're down three of their defensemen, top four defensemen, and then Jamie Benn gets hurt, and you have some young defensemen there stepping up to the plate. They had every excuse to say, you know what, we're going to yeah. live to fight another day. 
the Jersey Devils are on a heater. We're just going to let them uh, get the win and, and continue the win streak. So they really, really showed a lot of uh, fortitude in stepping up. But again, kudos to some of the veterans and, and really, really stepping up yesterday. You're seeing Marner on that forecheck in the first period, taking out two guys and getting the puck to Tavares for his 12th of the year. And, you know, Holmberg really stepping up, scoring his first goal. So uh, it was a really, really good defensive effort. I, I think you've seen not too many of those from the Leafs this year. Uh, but I think the story was Matt Murray. Again, he's come back, you know, rested, well-rested, healthy. And he just looks like he's almost, I use the word, I hate to use the word juggernaut, but he just seems like he's playing some really, really good hockey in that mm-hmm. time off. Really, he used it to really work on his game and prove that he's a number one goaltender. So I know it's a small sample size, but 34 saves last sure. night. He really, really played well in front of the group there too. So I think it was a really, really good team win. And wins like this, you can rally around it and really now propel you up the standings. Now, I know the Leafs have had a good in November, but again, with all these injuries right now, I think they have every excuse to say, you know what, it's too hard, but they're rallying around it and they're playing like a great, uh, a great team as they, uh, they've had in the past. Mm. Uh, what did you make of the goals called back? Like, I look at the Siegenthaler shot, like, uh, okay, maybe the Tatar bump for the second one, mm, little bit of embellishment by, uh, by the goaltender there, but I think you can make a case either way. To me, the easiest call was the one that enraged the fans the most, which is obviously because it's the, the third one of its of its kind. Um, the Eric Holla kick, to me, that was like open and shut. Like, this is this is the easiest arrest to make. Uh, what did you make of the uh, the three non-goals, or the disallowed goals, rather, by the Devils last night? Yeah, I'll start with the the Holla one. Like you said, that's an open and shut case. That's a distinct easy. kicking motion, <laughs> and that's a legitimate definition of that. I know... Uh, maybe the wiggle room is saying, well, you know what? It went off the uh, Maple Leafs defenseman before it went in the net. No, it doesn't matter. The book says it's a distinct doesn't kicking matter. motion. He moved his foot from the back to the forward, kicked the puck in the net. Uh, the Tatar one, you know, that's 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 a classic case of you have to do everything you can to get out of the way of the goaltender. And taking the not taking the scenic route and cutting through the crease, that's just opening up a can of worms where you don't even want to do that. I tell everybody, yeah. when you're driving down the highway and you see a, a squirrel, what do you do? You swerve out of the way. You're doing everything you can to avoid hitting the squirrel. It's the same thing with the goaltenders. And that was sort of the rule of law when I played, you know, you know 10, 15 years ago, because if you didn't do that, you know, you're going to have a Bryce Salvador or a Scott Stevens coming to punch you in the head. So you didn't want to touch the goalies at any cost. So I know the game's changed a bit, but you have to find a way to, to yeah. sort of avoid the goalies. So the Bastion one, I could say, yeah, that's a 50-50 call. And I think if the calls were called, uh, you know, in reverse, where the first, second, and third, I think they would have let that Bastion one go just because, you, like you said, there's no that – you're talking about that in-game management. I think the the ref, there's no way we can that... call three in a row. I think they would have let that one go in the third period if it uh, – the one that happened in the first and the third. I think that's an incredible point, Stewie. Yeah. I think that is a fantastic point. If they would have happened in reverse – Mm-hmm. Would they still have called that first one? That's a great, great point. I'm not sure that they do. I think in that situation, because of like, like I don't think you anticipate the explosion, but or what we saw with people chucking things on the ice. But that's a really great point. I'm not. I'm not sure if they if they make the same. Okay, off the. Uh, oh, by the way, real real quick. Oh, geez, we only have a couple minutes left with you. Um, your thoughts on what we've seen so far from John Tavares this season? Like at the end of the year last year, a lot of people, and I was one of them. Like I'm a guilty party here. Uh, we're saying, you know, we wonder if it's time for John Tavares to slide over to the wing. 
Uh, we all know about, you know, all the responsibilities that a center has and, you know, uh, are his feet fast enough to keep up with all those responsibilities. He's been real good. Um, 21 games, 23 points, 12 goals, a goal again last night. Your thoughts on what you've seen from the Maple Leafs captain so far? Well, I think it's an amazing transformation. I think he did have a great year, you know, pretty decent year last year. But, you know, if you're a player in the National Hockey yeah. League and, and you search your name on Twitter and they're saying, hey, you know what, you're looking on a decline, I call up John Tavares and say, what did you do in this offseason to get better? And I think that's what sort of separates the stars from the superstars. Again, uh, when you get to the National Hockey League, you can get really, really complacent. And I know you said the line, it's tough to go for a run in silk uh, pajamas. But he really, really worked on his skating in the offseason. And I think you can credit uh, Paul Matheson, who's up in Barrie. I think he works with some of the Colts, but he's with the Leafs now uh, and, and Michelle Moore. Yep. Just seeing him, just the separation. He's skating through the neutral zone, you know, blowing by guys with the puck. So it just seems like he has an extra step. So to be doing that at 30-plus years old where, you know, I'm getting weaker, stronger, chubbier, fatter every single day, he's getting better. It's amazing to see. So if I'm a player in the league, it's like, hey, man, like I would pick his brain. What did you do to get better? Because he looks like a totally different player. So I know last year there's bumps and bruises and there's injuries, but he looks like a totally different player where just through the neutral zone and skating, but even down low, he's tight turning, creating separation, going to the net. So he looks like almost like a spring chicken out there. So it's great to see because, you know, Marner and Matthews, you know, they're getting all the highlights and all the accolades and Nylander as well, too. It's really good to see him now. And I think he's probably been the best leap forward uh, this year, probably next to Mitch Marner. So that's great to see him bounce back and have a, a really great start to the season. The uh, the line, by the way, that Stewie is referencing. I was a big uh, Marvin Hagler fan, still am. Um, but one of his one of his great lines, and this is this is really essentially the basis for you know a number of the Rocky movies, which is is harder to stay on top than to get on top. Um, Hagler would always say it's it's tough to get up at five in the morning to do road work when you're sleeping in silk pajamas. Hagler was awesome. Well, first of all, like one of the greatest boxers of all time. And what a great line by Hagler. Uh, we're out of time, Stewie. Thanks as always for popping by, pal. You uh, you be good and, and great job last night. I really like watching you guys walk down the hallway to the set. That's a very innovative <laughs> shot. What a league. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Talk soon. <laughs> Anthony Stewart from the NHL on Sportsnet. Okay, uh, coming up, Hour 2 is on the horizon. We will be greeted by Thomas Hickey, uh, former NHL defenseman, uh, former fourth overall pick as well, uh, the Los Angeles Kings back in the 2007 draft. Also, uh, going to talk to Peter Baugh about the Colorado Avalanche and the quiet superstar Miko Rantanen, who is like super elite not really a peep anywhere outside of the avalanche market, that is. Merrick's show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet's um, 360. Yeah, that's where you are. Hi, everyone watching on 360. Back in a moment. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Um, greeting this hour with some uh, bad news to pass away. Borea Salming has passed away. One of, the, um, one of the best defensemen the NHL has ever seen. One of the smoothest skaters of his or any other era. 
Uh, we most recently, of course, saw him at, uh, at Hall of Fame weekend in a really emotional few days. Um, specifically, you know, the Friday and the, uh, the Hall of Fame game against the Pittsburgh Penguins and then subsequently on the Saturday as well, uh, where the ovations were loud. Um, and there were plenty of tears, certainly by his uh, ex-teammates. And listen, that image of Daryl Sittler holding Borea Salming's hand um, on the, the Friday night with, you know, tears in his eyes, I think is one that's going to stick with. You don't even have to be a Maple Leafs fan to, to feel that moment. Um, Borea Salming was, was instrumental in changing the perception uh, of Swedish hockey players. Uh, I think he was the favorite player of a number of people. Uh, I was one of them. Elliot Friedman and I always talk about Salming. Salming was really Elliot's guy. He loved Salming. Um, and as I mentioned on the program before, one of my greatest thrills um, as a kid was an early Sunday morning at uh, at High Park, the outdoor arena in the west end of the city of Toronto, just there with my dad and Borea Salming, who at that time lived right around the corner from the uh, from High Park, just showed up. This would have been seven seven thirty in the morning. Sun had maybe just come up, and uh, was out there for a skate. Jim McKenney showed up later as well, and um, you know we I I and I still tell the story about just passing the puck back and forth with Borea Salming, and just I can only imagine like what my dad felt like, you know, watching his kid skate with Borea. Everybody's got a Borea story. Uh, from Toronto at that time, um, and if you missed it, uh, with the great night, with great sadness, the Maple Leafs um, organization uh, announcing the passing of the great Borea Salming, who was as skilled as they came in the '70s, and probably should have won Norris trophies along the way. I know they were, he was in tough against you know Potvin and Robinson and these types of players, but man, Salming was great, and the game lost a giant today. The game lost a giant and someone that redefined what it was to be a Swedish hockey player because what he endured um, with the slashes and the cross checks and the insults and the punches and the muggings and the assaults on the ice. And he kept coming back and he never changed the way that he played. Always elite, one of the best pure athletes the game has ever seen. The stories of him of you know going to morning skate and then going skiing all day, coming home, and maybe having an hour nap and then going to Maple Leaf Gardens and was one of the best players on the ice. Those stories are legendary, uh, and we're going to start to hear a lot more now that uh, that Borea Salming has passed. Um, switching gears, we'll talk about the the Islanders who continue to groove along here, namely Ilya Sorokin, who was outstanding last night as well. Um, as the Islanders defeat the new the uh, the Edmonton Oilers by a final score of three nothing, uh, Thomas Hickey is a former NHL defenseman, now analyst with the New York Islanders, and he joins me now. Uh, Thomas, how are you today? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, listen, uh, a real uh, pleasure to have you on the program. This is a, a challenging day right now for hockey. Just lost a legend in uh, in, in Borea Salming. Um, but I want to park that conversation for a second and, and talk about the Islanders. And Ilya Sorokin last night specifically, you know, someone passed along uh, a stat to me last night, and, and this is just, you know, remarkable. Um, Ilya Sorokin has recorded a shutout in 14% of the games that he has started. He started 87 games, and he has 12 shutouts. This extends even deeper when you add his his KHL resume as well. Um, we're starting to see a legend really begin here, 
and start to grow, not unlike what we saw previous with Andre Vasilevsky and last night or last season rather with Igor Shishterkin. Do you have a, a thought or two here on what we're seeing from Ilya Sorokin of the Islanders? Yeah, he's been he's been tremendous all season. He's been special, and I think you know to see to see how good he was last night, Jeff. Like I, I said after the game, I thought it was the best goaltending performance I've, I've seen him play. And to take that further, mm-hmm. like to see live, it was the best I've seen all time. He looked so calm. Like there was fifty shots, and I think maybe you think the Islanders got really outplayed. It wasn't the case. It was a it was a fairly even game. They had a lot of power plays. But he was so in control and so calm, and he he had it where every shot that came, like the rebound, he knew exactly where it was going, and he he tracked it, and then he'd make the next save. It was fun to watch, and it got to the point where it wasn't just him making saves, which you're so used to as an Islanders fan watching him make saves, but there was multiple times where he started breakouts. Like he was seeing the game so well that there was bad shots to be taken, and they took a few bad shots, and he kicked it about 30 feet out right to his forward skate or sorry to their stick like he was that good he was that dialed in I've never seen someone have a command of a net and a game like he did it was fun to watch and and we're we're now you know a quarter way through the season there's a big enough sample size and you know I don't have the purview of the entire league to say that he should be the Vesna winner but there's no doubt that he must be in the top three at this point he's just been He's been that good, and yeah. and he's finally getting that recognition because the Elders are a good team, and they're they're fairly sound defensively, but it's not like they haven't given up chances, and he's got this ability to make huge saves early on in the game to keep his team in it, and that's the reason why they're doing so mm. well. But And you know what? Varlamov's played very well um, you know, beside him, but Ilya's, Ilya's the guy right now, and it was really fun to watch, and he just, he's been doing it all the time, and I looked... You know, I just looked back and I thought he's got 15 starts and on my count, he's been by far the better goalie in 13 of those, like not even close. And then there's been two games where Mm -hmm. the other goaltender played good as well. And he hasn't had a stinker. The goals that go in are often, you know, deflections that he has no chance on. He's been that good. You know, it's interesting you mentioned one of the best goalie performances that you've uh, that you've seen live because you know Elliot was on in the first hour and we were we were talking about Sorokin, and he had mentioned that when you look at some of the underlying numbers from last night's game and you, and you focus on expected goals specifically um, for the Edmonton Oilers that were you know obviously stopped by Sorokin and the fifty save shutout, it's one of the best performances of any goaltender in recent memory. Like, this isn't just like, wow, it's, that was the, the game of the year for, for Ilya Sorokin. <laughs> like, it's almost as if that was one of the best goaltending performances we've seen in a number of years. And, you know, someone's going to track, you know, when the last time we saw someone, when you when you base your, your proxies on expected goals and, and what that means. Um, but I, I think we really saw a command performance from Sorokin last night. Like, there are always those moments, and... Listen, I mean, I, you, you, your your hockey history, you know, um, when you first popped on the map playing with the T-Birds, like you've seen a lot of great goaltending performances. And I don't care who you are on, on which team or which team you, you work for. And like I'm saying this of anybody in the NHL, that's just flat out one of the best goalie performances we've ever seen. It really was. And, I, you know, I didn't have the expected goals numbers with me. And I'm glad that they back up my, my eyes because I, I was... 
I was blown away. And I've seen, I played against Carey Price in junior when he was with Tri-Cities and he was a third defenseman breaking out pucks before the trapezoid. Like he was, he was outstanding yeah. and he would have a shutout and he was making plays. He was doing everything. He was getting bored in that because he wanted it so much. But this to me was a different <laughs> style. Like the command was there, every, everything about it. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to, to hear that those numbers back it up. I was just, you know, if you just go watch the highlights of that game, ask yourself if you've seen a guy look that in command and comfortable in the net. It's just, he's, he's so sound right now, positionally, fundamentally, confidence, obviously, but he's never a guy that's battled that before, but it's fun to watch. So I, I got to look into those stats and I'm, I'm excited to rewatch the game today and, and just take it in. Cause it was special. Uh, he was spectacular. You know, I, um, I would mention this on a, on a regular basis here on, on the show, sort of tongue in cheek, but you know, partially not too. I was, I was kind of hoping that Matthew Barzell would get 82 assists this season for the Islanders, lead the team in scoring, and have no goals. Just to see what it what it looked like. Um, uh, he scored a pair on the weekend, as, as we all know. So, I mean, listen, every player loves to score. We get it. Um, you played for Seattle. He played for Seattle on that team that, that won the Western Hockey League with, with Ethan Bear and led by Matthew Barzell. Um, I've looked at Barzell and I've said he's the closest thing we have in the NHL right now to Denny Savard. When he, you know, circles the zone and looks for lanes and tries to find his spot, what do you see as a as a defenseman when you see Matthew Barzell? He's got an escapability that I haven't seen anyone else play with. And like I, I watched McDavid last night, and he's the best player in the world. And there's other guys that have different skill sets, but escapability wise, I think he's number one in the league. His ability to to be in the zone and have the puck for about twenty seconds and cut back on the same defenseman about six times and wear those guys out. And he gets like, he gets in these little tight spaces and he does turns and he goes up towards the blue line and you think he's run out of space and he finds a way to create and hang on to the puck and make plays. And, and as the season goes on and as you know, this is a new style they're playing in the sense that they're scoring more, you're seeing guys, mm-hmm. guys understand that the defensemen are more involved to know that, if he's doing that, he's just buying time for me to get open. And that's what he's doing when he's, when he's ragging the puck. So he's got this incredible ability to, to stop on a dime turn and then pick up speed. And he's not a very big guy, but he protects the puck so well. Mm-hmm. He's making very good defensemen look ordinary, but it's just his ability to, you think he's run out of space and you're watching it. And it's just a tight turn and knowing where the other guy's stick is in his body and just getting enough in the way to, get like maybe an inch by him when they're stick to stick and continue to play it. And, and guys are starting to figure it out and, and get open and understand that when he's doing these things, he's buying time for someone to get open. And, you know, by my count, he, he was, he's been very, very good all year on another level. And I think there's been maybe four games out of 20 where I haven't come away saying he's the best skater on the ice. Like he's been that good and that dominant. And he's, He's doing it with a rotating cast, Jeff. Like, he hasn't had permanent line mates this year. Even last night, yeah. uh, he had Simon Holmstrom making his NHL debut on his on his wing. And that's not easy as the best player on the team to not consistently have line mates. But he's found a way to do it with everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he's been outstanding. You know, one of the, uh, I'm always curious because this is an Islanders team that's, you know, this is like, this is a Lamarillo team. So it's, you know, crest over name bar. Like that's, that's just the way it's going to be with, with, with all of Lou's teams. Um, and so I always think about, okay, so who are the players that people who are in the organization around the team think that everybody in the media should be talking about more. And one of the players I keep coming back to, and he had a pair last night, uh, so he's one of the, the, the stories coming out of last night's 3 nothing win, is Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Um, there's a spot on every single team in the NHL for a player like Jean-Gabriel uh, Pajot. Do you have a thought on him and, and what he brings to the Islanders? Yeah, he's he's their Swiss Army knife. And you, you look at a team that's probably as deep at center as, as anyone else with Barzell, Nelson, um, Sezikis, and Pajot, but he's just done everything, and, and he just does whatever the coach asks him to. Like, he wasn't on the power play at the start of the year, and now he's on that first unit. He's been phenomenal in the face-off dot. He's the guy you send out to win big draws. He's a guy that's starting overtime when they get there, like not Barzell. They're, they're looking for him to go out, control the play, soften everyone up, and then Barzi comes out and does his thing. Mm-hmm. He's he, he does everything. He's just He's so detailed, and, and when you watch him, you need to watch him. You need to ISO cam him around the ice and just see that he doesn't miss any details. He, he's been so good for them, and I think it was, it was about 12 games in before he even had a goal, and I bet you if you ask Lane Lambert, he wouldn't care. Like He's been so detailed in every other part of the game, and now the offense is coming, but he just does a bit of everything. Mm. And, and in that same vein, like Brock Nelson was so good last year, and he's been good this year, and he's just heating up. I think he's a guy that, as the season goes on, more people need to talk about him because I think he gets shadowed a little bit in the sense that he's on a team with Matt Barzell, and Barzell's a, a sexy player. He draws everyone's attention. He'll show up on the highlights. But Brock's really built himself into a two-way player and you know, a really, really good centerman that can score goals and kill penalties and play in all situations. So those are the two guys, Pajot and Nelson, who are, like you said, any team would want to have these guys. And that's your two, three in the middle on, in, on center ice. With Thomas Hickey, Islanders analyst, you know, one of the things that was a little bit eyebrow raising, you know, you mentioned uh, Brock Nelson and we're talking about Matthew Barzell and, and Jean-Gabriel Pajot and, you know, Casey Zizek is uh, the fourth center on the team who, who still doesn't have a goal. But um, the beginning of the season, it was kind of like, you know, the ele- elephant in the room. You know, do we mention that, you know, none of the Islanders centers have any goals here? And then Brock Nelson was the, the first to crack that that goose egg. Now he has nine. Mentioned Matthew Barzell has a pair and Jean-Gabriel Pajot has five. Did you ever get a sense that in the beginning of the season when the team struggled and they weren't getting goals from the centers, that there was any panic in this team? Because let's not forget, this is coming off a disappointing season. This is a coaching change. It wasn't as if Lou Lamarillo um, was specifically active in the offseason outside of bringing in Romanoff. Um, did you ever get a sense that this team was panicking or panicked at any point here at the beginning of the season? I don't get a sense that the team was panicked, but from an analyst perspective and a fan's perspective, I think there was legitimate reasons for concern and reasons to worry. I think it was around the five or six game mark and they hosted the Rangers at home, a huge rivalry game. And I think they had something like over 40 save shutout from Ilya Sorokin and he, and he stole that game. And from then on, they've been good, but there was a point that I thought, 
I don't know if they're going to be able to score. The defense, the, the defending, team defending, didn't look like it was quite there. And I don't think that they panicked at all. And they found a huge win against the Rangers when Sorokin stole the game. And from that point on, they've been good. They've looked every bit of a playoff team, and the standings would reflect that. But I think they're watching it from my perspective, there was a bit of concern, but things have fallen into place since then. Uh, they really have. And, you know, one of the things that we're, we're, I think we're all curious about, and like Lane Lambert you know, has been, you know, at the hip with Barry Trotz for a number of years. So there's going to be a lot of sort of, I don't know, how should we say it, philosophical overlap for how you handle a team um, uh, and, and how that team plays. Um, is, do, you, do you know, like maybe talking to any of the players or anything, or maybe that's something you've observed, any appreciable difference in how this team plays under Lane Lambert as opposed to how they played under Barry Trotz? I, I think that the, the identity is still there of a team. You mentioned Lou Lamorello or a Barry Trotz. Lane Lambert's the same. It's They're going to judge you on your principles of, of effort and compete, and that's something that this team won't lack. But the difference to me is the ability of this team's defense to get up the ice and be involved in the play. It's something before where I think there was so much emphasis on defense for good reason because it suited the, the lineup. But this year the defense are way more involved and you're seeing – extended zone time and I think Lane just brings a little bit more of an aggressive approach and yeah. and it and maybe understanding too that it is okay to give up a little bit because we need to generate more and we have the goaltenders to do it whereas in the past you wouldn't want to tempt that for too long and I think that that this year they played with it and I think they found the balance of how aggressive can we be what chances or risks can we take and I think that that's the main difference to me is there's just a tiny bit more risk involved than it's calculated. But maybe in the past, you shied away from getting to that point of, of really tempting yourself to see how much you could get away with. And now there, there's, there's finding that, that comfortable space where you can get away with a little bit and create way, way more without giving up too much. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll close on this one here. Um, when you look at the Islanders and rack it up points and, you know, getting the points when you, when you need them, banking them for later on, if you look at the next five games for the New York Islanders, uh, and everyone, no one's playing tonight, but um, Friday Columbus and then a pair against the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, then against Nashville on the second, and then Chicago on December the fourth, like the Islanders really have a good chance here to bank a lot of points early ish in the season when you look at this next five game stretch. Do you have a do you have a thought on on that as we conclude today? I do. I think my biggest takeaway would be this is this is a strange team where I don't think that they've made hay when the schedule is easy. When I look at this season, they they struggled against Arizona. They really didn't play well against Columbus before, and Ottawa gave them a good challenge. So these, I don't think this is a team that looks at the standings. They, they've they've had sort of a tough time against the teams that they definitely should beat, and they compete with the best of them when they play against the best. So there's absolutely mm. a chance to get out ahead of it. There's there's no question with those teams, but they haven't been a team that rolls over a team that may be looking outside of the playoff picture right now. They haven't had that ability yet. So I hope to see it because there's certainly winnable games when you look at where those teams are in the standings. But so far, it hasn't played out that way this year. They've, They've played better against the better teams. 
uh, on that, we'll wrap. Uh, this has been a delight. Um, hope we can do it again soon. Thanks so much for sharing your expertise. And uh, I got to say, it was a lot of fun watching you play hockey as well. I mean, going back to when you played with Seattle, you were, uh, you were always a treat to watch. And you're fantastic on television. So continued success, Thomas. We'll, uh, we'll watch for you. I appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks. We'll, be, uh, we'll touch base again soon. That would be great. There he is, Thomas Hickey, uh, former NHL defenseman, uh, former fourth-row overall draft pick of the Los Angeles Kings, uh, doing analyst work now um, for the New York Islanders. Um, the lead story of the day, and we're standing by for, for Daryl Sittler for, for more comments uh, and condolences. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs announcing about 25 minutes ago that Borea Salming has passed away. Um, you know, uh, forever a, a part of hockey history, certainly. Um, he was a, a smooth skating athletic, uh, defenseman on a, on a Toronto Maple Leafs team that was loaded with, with superstars. Uh, we'll, we'll just be blunt. We have Daryl Sittler aboard, our former Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, Daryl, we wish it was, uh, or I wish it was under better circumstances, uh, that I had a chance to talk to you here today. But, um, first of all, thanks for joining me. Um, second, your thoughts on the news of the passing of your former teammate, Borea Song. Well, obviously, it's a sad day for all of us. Uh, but on a happy note, I think we're all so fortunate and blessed that Borea was here in Toronto for the Hall of Fame event and for the Leafs to honor him and his family, uh, center ice, and then to go back to Sweden on their 100th anniversary of that celebration. It was almost like those things were meant to be. And uh, here we are a number of days later, and he's passed away. It was obviously quick. Um I've been in contact with Pia, his wife, and his daughter and family all the way through, and I got a call at 9 o'clock this morning saying that he had passed. And then we, the LEAF organization, obviously love Boria, and we wanted to do what their wishes were for them, and, and then the press release came out today. So lots of great memories of Boria Salming, for sure, sad as it may be. But, uh, uh, you know, even though after our careers were over, he was back in Sweden when he'd come to Toronto, We'd all get together, Tiger, Lanny, Boria, uh, other players, and play in those Legends games and, and do the things we love doing, and it just kind of picked up. So um, I just feel that anybody who saw Boria when he came to town uh, a week and a half ago were touched by you know, his presence for sure. And uh, I think you couldn't have written the script any better if it was going to turn out the way it did. Um, that we all got to spend some time together for sure and honor him the way he should have been honored. Uh, it was beautiful seeing him uh, for Hall of Fame weekend, certainly. And, you know, I was mentioning, Daryl, before you came on, you know, that the image of you uh, standing next to Boria and holding his arm up in the air and, like, there's there's tears with you guys and there's there's tears in the building. It was such a, a beautiful and respectful and uh, human hockey moment. I, I can only imagine what was what was going through your mind at that time, standing uh, next to Borea Salming uh, as he's being, you know, adored and applauded by everyone at Scotiabank that evening. Well, it was obviously very tough and heartbreaking, but at the same time, very very proud of it that it was happening. Um, when I walked. Um, by the bench with Borio's arm as we were walking out in the red carpet, saw the current players, uh, kind of their stoic, uh, somber faces. Um, that's what really grabbed me to think that was Borio and I, uh, you know, 40 years ago or whatever it was, 
in those uniforms. But I know that uh, the players today, all of them have this unbelievable respect for the players of the past and obviously for Boyer, for him to be there. And, uh, and Nylander, um, Willie, when uh, he, he saw him, I mean, there was tears of sadness, but it was so nice that they, they could reach out to each other. Um, it was also special that night that it was um, the timing with the sweet, three Swedish players going into the uh, into the Hall of Fame and Boria being there and Mats and, uh, hey, and the fact that we had two home games that weekend so you could celebrate the Hall of Fame but also celebrate yeah. Boria and his career with his family on their own. So, like I said, I don't know who wrote the script, but it was a good one and uh, we were all proud to be a part <laughs> of it. Lasting memories. You know, yeah, absolutely. I think everybody feels the same way. Alongside Daryl Sittler, former Toronto Maple Leaf, if, uh, if you're just joining us, uh, the news this morning, uh, the passing of Toronto Maple Leaf great Boria Salming. Um, some of the memories that I have of, of Salming are a combination of, I, I look back and I think of how skilled a player he was and I think of you know how he was able to, to stretch his entire body as he skated. Like just a graceful player, um, fearless blocking shots, uh, fearless, absorbing, you know, sticks and cross checks and slashes and and punches and kept coming back. Like he was, as much as we look at the skill, like that was a really tough era for hockey. And I never got the sense ever, Daryl, that for one second that Borea Salming was ever intimidated or that anyone was going to change the way that he played his game. When you look back at, at how Borea played, what comes to your mind? Well, I think you you know described it quite uh, uh, correctly in all those words and adjectives you used to describe what you saw him as a player. We saw that too. I mean, at, at times as a as a teammate, it was it's kind of sad and frustrating that uh, he had to take this abuse. You know, and he'd come off after a game, and you know, from blocking shots and from guys spearing him and all those sorts of things. So the welts on him. Like you say, it didn't deter him. Uh, he just went and played harder um, uh, each game and game out. But he had to take a lot of, you know, uh, physical and emotional abuse because he was the first Swedish uh, European player playing in the league, so to speak. But hey, he's one of the top mm-hmm. 100, up second to Norris Trophy winner. All those accolades uh, that he deserved. Uh, he was uh, respected by all the players that played against him, and obviously all of the players that played with him. And I, I taped a little tribute to him uh, for Sweden, and uh, I didn't realize it until uh, they told me he played with 200 uh, former Leaf players in the same uniform as Borja Salming. So we all uh, feel his loss for sure today. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that, that, that Maple Leaf team, uh, as much as it was, I guess, a skilled team, uh, it was a, it was a, that was a room of, of really big personalities, yourself and Lanny and um, Tiger Williams and, you know, Mike Palmatier, the popcorn kid. Like that was a, that was a really interesting team and it must've been a really interesting room. And I'm curious, how did Salming fit into all of that mix? Well, Boria, I mean, off the ice, he was a lot of fun, too. Like, he, he'd like to have a few cocktails here and again and party and stuff like sure. that as much. Yeah, and and and, uh, and no matter uh, how he was off the ice, sometimes he came to practice. He was the hardest-working guy. And, and the next night in the game, he would be, you know, the first star again, so to speak. So he blended in. He was just a, a down-to-earth, solid team guy that loved – playing the game he had such a passion to play just freaking love playing 
and uh, and then he just yeah. loved all his friends. And one of the the things that made me so happy when he was here last week, his uh, wife Pia and his daughter said they haven't seen him so happy, uh, and they said it's because of guys like Lanny Tiger, myself, and other teammates, Gary Lehman, Fergie, Ali Afridi was a, a youngster when Boria was a you know a senior player on the team, and uh, everybody was just so thrilled that they could see Borea and spend a little time with him and vice versa for Borea. It made him happy for those last moments, which that's what it's all about, you know. Um, as I wrap up with you here, and Daryl, I thank you for your time talking about um, your late teammate, Borea Salming. Um, one of the, I mean, 1976 was such a special year for you specifically, uh, a great tournament, uh, the Canada cup and you scored on Zarilla and the country goes, goes crazy. You know, one of the, one of the enduring images as well is, you know, watching Borea Salming play for Sweden in 76 at that tournament and the ovation at Maple Leaf Gardens, etc. Do you have a, a memory or a thought of, of Salming playing for Sweden, um, during the Canada cup during a really special 1976? Yeah, I played in that game that he got the ovation uh, of, you know, uh, for Team Canada. And, you know, Bobby Orr was on that team for Canada. But uh, one thing that I really appreciate as a Canadian and as a player that uh, our fans respect a player who's a great player. And uh, we learned a lot, obviously, in 72. Maybe we didn't have the, the same respect we should have had for European players. But when Borea came over in 73 and Inge Hammerstone and then a few more after that, we learned quite quickly as a nation that these European players were tough. They were good players. They knew how to play the game. And then when Borea was recognized as a, you know, as a Maple Leaf but playing on the Swedish national team in our building in Maple Leaf Gardens, it's a moment that, you know, I'll always remember you and, and other fans. And when they showed the replays of oh, it, yeah. that, you know, that was, that's what he deserved. He, people, when people, fans watch the game, they can sense the element of fear and courage of, of a player in that game. And Boria had uh, both of those uh, things in him, and people respected that and how he played and how he competed every game in and game out, so to speak. So that's why he's uh, um, so revered and respected, uh, you know, after the game, you know. So uh, I'm going to miss him for sure. We all will. Um, one of the greats. It's a, a sad day around the NHL, not just the Maple Leafs organization. Daryl, I know this is going to be a very busy day for you. When people say, you know, condolences to the friends and the family of someone, you are both a friend and a family member, certainly through the Toronto Maple Leafs organization uh, of Borea Salming. I thank you for your time today. I know it's going to be a busy one and an emotionally challenging yeah. one, certainly for you and, and all the Maple Leafs alumni. Um, all the best, and thanks for spending thank some time talking about Borea Salming with me today. We're, Much appreciated. Uh, Today's obviously a special day for my family and I. We're uh, in the States. We celebrate uh, U.S. Thanksgiving with my son, Ryan, and my grandson, Luke, who's playing hockey in Minnesota, but he's home. So we're, we're having a Thanksgiving U.S. turkey dinner here at the, yeah. the condo in Jupiter, Florida. But at the same time, uh, you know, I'm yeah. so honored to be able to speak so uh, greatly about Borea Salming and his family. Uh, they mean as, as much to me as anybody, and uh, we'll take the time to do that for sure. Absolutely. Um, thanks for pausing your day for me today. Much appreciated, oh, yeah. Daryl. Be well. Best of the You're family. You're welcome.
Daryl Sittler, um, former captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, when Boris Salming plied his trade on the blue line. Uh, if you've just joined us now, the, the news of the day around uh, the NHL is the the passing of Boris Salming, uh, who played with the Maple Leafs uh, for pretty much the majority of his career, one year um, with the uh, with the Detroit Red Wings, and then went back to to, to play in Sweden. Um, probably one of those players you look at and you say, like, I know it was an, an era of, of elite-level defensemen around the NHL, but someone who probably should have won a, a Norris Trophy along the way, he was just that good. Um, the way that, like, if you're if you're a newer fan or a younger fan and you never saw Borja Salming, do yourself a favor. Um, a lot of the games, a lot of the clips are all available on, on YouTube uh, and various other platforms. Just have a look at how Borja Salming, like, I'll never forget, like, the way that he would break the puck out of uh, the Maple Leaf zone. We talk so much about players being, you know, one-man breakout machines. And we think of players like Kel McCarr uh, might be the most obvious uh, example. But watch how Borea Salming would break the puck out. It was just a thing of beauty. A couple of strides and then a lot of gliding, head up, looking around, looking for his uh, looking for his first pass. He was just a, a supreme defenseman and an elegant skater as well. Like nobody, you don't take it from me, go see for yourself. Nobody moved like Borea Salming did, had these like long levers, these long limbs, and the way that he would stretch out and, and expand his body, like there was no one, there was no one that looked like that, that played like that, um, and to the point of, of toughness too, like we think of things like, you know, the the attack by, by Mel Bridgman of the Philadelphia Flyers, that is part of the Borea Salming story. Um, a lot of those games against the Philadelphia Flyers, those are part of the story, um, but this was a time in the NHL when teams were tough and everybody had, we think of the Boston Bruins, for example, as much as the Philadelphia Flyers were a tough team, the buff of the, uh, the Boston Bruins were, were just as tough. Uh, the Islanders, a real tough team as well. Like Borea Salming was, was challenged physically on a nightly basis. And as Daryl Sittler just mentioned, you know, every night this guy was getting speared. Every night this guy was getting slashed. This guy was getting punched. Um, and when it spilled over, like, it got real violent in the NHL. And Salming never wavered, never changed at all. He just took it, dusted himself off, and came right back. And the older I get, the more that I realize that that is the truest sense of toughness um, condolences to the family and the friends of Borea Salming. He was a great one. We still have the memories, but the NHL is poorer for his loss today.